Hey guys, I'm Megan. I'm Dana. And I'm Abby. And welcome to the season finale of Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. Hello, everyone. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Hi. There she is. Abby's back with that. With Megan. Yeah. It's the three of us. The, the three amigos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so actually, I'm excited about this. And longtime listeners might know that Abby took over when Megan took a break back in the day a couple of months ago cried in the Dudley Town episode. She cried. She was scared. And I don't know if I mentioned it when she came on. And if I did, it bears mentioning again. If I didn't, then surprise. Here it is. But Abby was kind of the inspiration of us to start this podcast. So she mentioned it. And I would like it mentioned again because I am <laughs> an egotist. But yeah, no, basically, well, you're an egotist and a scaredy cat. Because we like telling you scary stories. That's me. And... Abby's like, I think one of the original thoughts was us, us telling Abby scary stories and getting her reaction. And then it just turned into me and you telling each other scary stories. But we thought for the final episode of the season, we should go back to the root of the stories and tell Abby some scary stories. Yes. I'm very excited. It's going to be great and terrible at the same time. Be fantastic. And as Megan said, this is our season one finale. We have done 30 episodes with you all. Who does thunk? I definitely did not. It's so weird because there are so many subjects out there, but every week you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do this week? I don't know if there's anything left. I know. And then there's like so much you can't, you can't pick from. Like you're like, oh, yes. not time yet, not time yet. So you know what that means, guys? It will be the time soon. And Megan, do you want to tell everyone when we will be coming back? Yes, we will be back August 13th. Yes. So we are taking this summer off. We have a lot of things happening. And that time will give us time to rest and research and come back roaring to go. And I hope you all know that my roaring to go. Where's that from? You're asking me? Mm -hmm. There you go. So many times. So many times. When you come up here and visit, don't worry. We have it purchased on we Amazon. Do. Oh, I can't watch it. Just the second one, not the first. Yeah. The second one's the best one. Let me tell you, mom, every time she wants to watch Father of the Bride, she's referring to Father of the Bride, too. That's the only one. I think we watched it with her like yeah. a couple times she comes up here. That and yeah. I, we'll probably have to watch the Father of the Part 2. Yeah. Yeah. We'll watch part one with, with mom in Thanksgiving of last year. Well, we'll be there in July. Yeah. Which also, so that's one of the reasons why I'm also thinking, even though we might not be here in your ears, listeners, I am hoping that maybe Megan and I will record maybe an episode while she's here in person. You can try to scare Yeah. Me. Oh, God. Oh, that would be so much fun to scare my mother. It would be so much. Maybe, yeah, a special, a special mommy episode. <laughs> but how are you, Megan? I'm doing okay. 
I'm alive. You know, honestly, I have my period and I'm also Raymond is leaving the country for a little while. So I on the lamb. He's what? Going on the lamb. Not surprised. He's always too quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. He is. So he leaves Sunday. I shouldn't have given away the date, but that's when he leaves. We don't know. They don't know when we reported this. So. Oh, it's fine. But yeah. What was the point of what I'm trying to say? How are I don't... you? Oh, I am alive. <laughs> there you I'm go. Same. I mean, Tim, I called you earlier today having a small mentee bee, so. Yeah. My dog was having a hard time on a walk. He has anxiety, and then I had anxiety because of his anxiety. And then Abby told me something terribly sad to get me out of it. Not on purpose. It works for me, and I thought it would work for her. And I was... Spoiler alert. It did not work for me. I ended up sobbing for about how long? Five minutes. Five minutes of sobs. Like, straight sobs. <laughs> like, like, tears, like, in your hair. Yeah. Oh, my. had a big breathe. And I was like, I'm trying. But then now I'm good. I'm here. I'm ready to... I'm ready to be scared. Also, let's be real. I have some tricks up my sleeve for this episode i am so excited for tricks yeah i like tricks and treats love tricks and treats how surprised it's halloween halloween in june and i don't know if we discuss this or not but we're doing it kind of similar to a campfire episode i feel like there's not really a theme i think we have like multiple stories about different things and it's kind of like a fun little light no format scary episode with megan and abby and you know some games and quizzes as oh, well God. it's gonna be great abby how are you doing i'm good i'm good things are good i started my new job this week i'm with one itty bitty baby he's he just turned six weeks old on a thursday oh so he's like fresh out of the oven like still seeming but there's just a lot of downtime because he sleeps and like the parents are very first time parents in that like they've never had a nanny before. So there are things that I've done in previous nanny jobs that I was like, oh, go ahead and take care of this. And the mom's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, no, like, really, please. It would help me out. I've been sitting here for the past hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Also, he, he looks like a little old man sometimes. He does. He does. Oh, he's so cute. He's so perfect looking. He's got a bit of a Danny DeVito look sometimes. Every, Ooh, every, every so often, not always, but sometimes he poses a certain way, Megan, and the old man comes out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I was like, oh, my it's God, so there's the old man. He has a little like, Grinch nose. It's the cutest. It does. It's like a little upturned nose. Oh, oh exactly. Like the cartoon version of the Grinch. That is adorable. So, yeah, things are good on my end. I'm very excited for the uh, things that you have in store. I know. Me too. You guys want to do stories first and then questions and quizzes or? Well, sure. Yes, that sounds great. But I want to start off before we do stories. I want to tell you a little bit of news. Some big news. Bing, bong, bing. Yes. So I came across this today, actually, and it's all over. So if you have if you have seen it, I wouldn't be surprised. But, I haven't seen anything. Megan texted me earlier and she was like, hey, one of my things is about talking about news. Okay. And I said, I know nothing. <laughs> In Las Vegas, this officer, he has like one of the cameras on his body. Body, body cams. cams. Yeah, that's what it's called. He has that on. And in the, in the background, you see something falling from the sky. Shut up. Then 
after that happens, he gets or they get a phone call asking for police to come over because somebody sees an alien, two aliens in their freaking backyard. No, this sounds like science. I don't like it. It sounds just like science. Holy crap. And guess the guy is like, yeah, they're like eight, nine, ten feet tall in my backyard. And he, I mean, like there's recording of the actual thing falling from the sky. And then the kid that calls the the police, he has, he actually came out later with like a YouTube video <laughs> to kind of explain his side of the story and like what he saw. And I'll send it to you guys so you guys can watch it. It's a little bit longer. So obviously like maybe watch it later. Yeah, watch it later when we're in bed at night with the lights off. Sounds awesome. Actually, we take the dog out. Oh, yeah. So he still has one more walk. Oh, no. (laughs) Hold on one second. I'm sending it to you real quick. I saw signs at an incredibly formative age. And it really colored my perception of aliens. And not in a good way. Extremely negative. I saw it when I was seven. (gasps) It was devastating for my self-conscious and my psyche. Oh, yeah, that is young. I I don't remember being scared by it, but I was also older. And you were into aliens. Yeah. I didn't know what aliens were until I saw that movie. One time I got into an argument with her father about the existence of aliens. Does he not believe? No. He says they're demons. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something about that. So when every summer we had to read like part of the Watchtower or Wake or something from the Bible before we went out to play. And what about that? Yeah, we we got to... We got to choose whatever article or Bible chapter we would, you know, we wanted to. So I remember choosing like the shortest Bible chapter and then like the shortest, not the shortest, the most interesting. I can't remember. It was probably awake. Yeah. Yeah. It was awake. It was like news from around the world type thing. Yes. Well, yeah, that one. But also this one in particular was just about aliens. And I would always pick that one because, yeah, I loved it. But it talked about aliens and not in a good way. Like, you know, like your dad thought. But dad, our dad always say the Bible says like the heavens and the earth, plural. Right. Yeah. See? Yeah. Dad was a little bit more open minded when it came to those type of things, which is nice. Mom is afraid. Mom is afraid. Like when I say stuff like, oh, I wish they would take me, you know, on a ride in their spaceship or something. She's like, Megan, don't say that. Like, she's genuinely afraid. Oh, they're so mean to her. <laughs> she's like, dear God, I don't need this. I go child. Megan? Well, that was fun. I'm still recording this whole entire thing. So, yes, that'll still be one giant recording. <laughs> oh, perfect. Thank God. Thank God. Last time she recordings was a bitch. Anyway, I really don't like that happened during the aliens part of it. Mm. they're coming to take her she's 10 feet tall 10 feet tall and abby will see them in her backyard no that reminds me so much of that birthday party scene it's the i don't like it the movie is signed came out in 2002 so i was well yeah which makes sense yeah i was 12 when it came out i was young i was youthful you weren't it was i was afraid of it too not afraid but like oh that's spooky mm-hmm. mm. i was 16 
to complete my alien education. Guess what movie I was forced to see at that same house, that same friend's house, just a few short years after it. Oh, God. War of the Worlds. <laughs> where Tom Cruise oh. murders a man at his basement <laughs> with a shovel. So sorry. I just remembered camping. <laughs> when we were camping, <laughs> there was a porter potty. And uh, was the mo- what was it? <laughs> Early in the morning, probably like 6 a.m. And there was a, a sound, wasn't there? I was not there with her. So I went to the potty alone. There was like some kind of like beeping sound. I didn't hear anything. Oh. Yeah, there was some kind of beeping sound. Oh, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this is it. This is the same sound from War of the Worlds. I'm going to come out and they're just going to be vaporizing people's lips and <laughs> gathering them up into their little metal baskets. I had a phone. It's right there. <laughs> I was trying to find Abby's text about the noise. Did you text her while you were in the bathroom? Like, there's a strange noise. Come get me or something. The, 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 I think I just basically said goodbye. I love you. <laughs> I, I am panicking about that noise. That's it. You said I'm panicking about that noise. I didn't get the text until later because yeah. reception was like shoddy. So she's texting me from up on the hill about the noise. I hear nothing. She's you hear that noise? I said no. She's it's like War of the Worlds. <laughs> oh my god! See, me I hold that movie. I think I think I get extra credit for seeing that movie. How old were you? Was it in, a, in an age appropriate time of your life? Probably. So what class gave you extra credit for watching that? It's right. Sense. We learned about the because it was an old book or an old yeah play. Uh, yeah it was a it radio was. Broadcast. It was a radio broadcast so like Orson Welles. We did just it. listened to the radio broadcast. We did that and also the movie was at the same time we were doing this thing about it. I think it was in middle school. Two thousand five. So I was fifteen. It was nine. I graduated a year ago. Oh, a year before. I was 11. I was 11. I was like, you were way nine. I was like, okay. So I saw it at 12? 2005? No, when I came back and visited. So yeah, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So anyway, sidetrack. Aliens suck. Aliens are great. They're scary. I love them. I love it. So are we doing stories first and then? Yeah. Okay, so Megan... I'll get this party started. Before beauty. Perfect. A few years ago, I moved into one bedroom. I moved into a one bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia. It was my first time living on my own. The apartment block had been built in the 1930s. I'd been there a few months when I came home from work one day and went into the bathroom. I saw something strange a wooden board, which had covered a hole in the ceiling that led to a small attic space. It laid fractured in two pieces on the ground. I examined the pieces. The board was an inch thick, and it would have taken Bruce Lee to break it. I thought the landlord had sent someone to work on the attic. I was frozen stiff with fear. Someone is up there for sure, I thought. I emailed a picture to the landlord asking if anyone had been there with an undertone of annoyance since she hadn't warned me. Her reply read, please call me as soon as you're able to. I called and she explained that her last two tenants had said the same thing happened. She had promised to replace the board and she did. A month later, I woke up one night around 4 a.m. My body was covered in goosebumps. 
it felt like someone was rubbing his or her hands on me. Everything was silent. But then I heard a dragging sound coming from above my bed. It was as if someone... It went from choking, like rubbing me, (laughs) to being like, the fuck? Go ahead, continue on. I'm sorry. You're fine. Everything was silent, but I... Okay, she heard the dragging. Okay. It was as if someone was pulling a sack of potatoes. I froze, convinced someone was up there. There is no way... Sorry, hold on. I had something in my mouth. I had to pull it out. Yeah, me too. Vomit. (laughs) (laughs) I froze, convinced someone was up there. There is no way an animal could make that sound. After five minutes, I worked up the courage to turn on the light, armed myself with a cricket bat, and walked to the bathroom. That's when I saw the new board covering the hole was broken in two. I felt sick. The dragging sound had stopped, but I heard something else, whispering. The sound was clear and coming from the attic. It sounded like children's voices, and I could hear one sentence repeating over and over. It's your turn. It's your turn. I switched on every light in the apartment to make things feel normal. It was 5 a.m. and dark outside. I watched TV to try to unwind. Then a fuse blew. You stayed in the house early, though. Then a fuse blew, and my pet budgie, Dexter, whom I kept in the kitchen, usually never made a sound at night. But he started squawking like he was being strangled. I'd never heard him make those sorts of noises. He was screaming. I grabbed my car keys, ran out, sat in my car, and waited there until the sun came up. When I saw people walking their dogs, this comforted me enough to go back in. The front door was open, but I figured I might have forgotten to close it when I ran out. I went to the kitchen to check on Dexter, but he wasn't in his cage. I felt sick. Again. All my windows were closed, so I looked everywhere inside. When I walked to the bathroom, I heard splashing. Dexter was half-drowned in the toilet. I took him out, washed him and dried him, and I was so confused. At 8 a.m., I called the landlord and gave her a watered-down version of the night. Oh, wow, you heard the whispering too, she said? I stayed in... (laughs) Ma'am, I stayed... I'm like, ma'am, I need to... Okay, enough of this. The board happened, that's fine. I didn't know about that, but now I know. The whispering, tell me everything the past tenants have heard. I would have asked that from as soon as the board broke and she's like, hey, give me a call. Oh, yeah, this happened before. Well, what else happened, you know? Right. And and for those who don't know, a budgie is basically a parakeet. I stayed in the apartment for another 18 months. I heard the whispering on a few occasions and twice the board covering the hole in the ceiling moved. Although I lived elsewhere now, or I live elsewhere now, the landlord recently called. She said that her new tenants had begged to speak with me about the, some of the stuff that had been going on there. Forget it. It's their problem now. Listen, the end. Listen, the boxcar children from hell are living <laughs> in that thing. Abby, it's your turn now. Uh, I love- so many comments. I feel like I would call up that landlord and be like, this was not in the lease agreement. I did not agree to have I feel a like couple other tenants. So I'm out. I feel like, I mean, hey, has anyone gone up to the attic at all? 
and like yeah. out the crawl space area. Would you volunteer? I'd have my landlord do it. I think the landlord would not participate. Then I then I I want I hope the cheap I hope the cheap I hope the rent was super cheap. And also, I feel like you could totally break that lease. Yeah, without being high. There are people. Well, especially after she said, especially after she said that this has happened before, right? Tenants, it's like, well, you know, that should have been. You know, I'm not lying about this. this. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of like, like it's like what is what are the laws against disclosing like hauntings of houses and Massachusetts? They don't have to disclose anything. I think. I think that you have to, but I think it's only to like. And there's a window of time. Okay. Now it's my turn. This is a story. It says, the reason why I'm scared of mirrors. Ah, oh, fucking A. <laughs> Pardon my English. It's not my first language. This isn't something that happened to me. This story is from my brother-in-law. This took place in Mexico in the 90s. My brother-in-law, Uriel, and his family had a house on the corner of the street. His parents always worked and never had time to do the house chores or looked after Uriel, so they hired a housekeeper slash nanny. The nanny was a teenage girl who was around 12 years old. It was acceptable to hire young kids back then in that area. Uriel said at the beginning, everything was great and she did all of her chores. The house was pretty big, so it was pretty impressive that at her age, she was able to keep up with all that cleaning. The family was content with her work, and the girl was always happy to help. In the house, there was a big staircase that led to the second story. Oh, Uriel God. said, as soon as you got on the top step, there was a very, very big Victorian mirror, which was recently given to his parents by some acquaintances. The family started noticing the girl would always glance at the mirror. The glances then escalated, and she began staring at the mirror from afar. Soon, she would just stare to the point where she would stop doing her chores and just stay there for a long period of time. She stopped speaking to anyone and did nothing else but look at the mirror. She even stopped eating and sleeping, they said. The family became very concerned and alerted her family. When her family came to pick her up, they couldn't separate the girl from the mirror. She was in a sort of hypnotized state. They took her to the local witch doctor, and the witch doctor said something in there had taken her, that it had just left her body behind and nothing could be done. She was in a vegetative state and remained like that for some days. It would off went to an end when Uriel's family ordered the, to have the mirror stored in the basement. At one point, one of the few people moving it somehow s- stepped on the mirror and it broke. Mm. It shattered into many pieces. Seconds later, the girl's family called Uriel's family to see the girl had been convulsing and she passed. It was very sad. The family was devastated. To this day, he still doesn't like talking about it because it scared him so much. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> Somebody's soul getting caught <laughs> inside a mirror doesn't sound like a good time to me. Also, Abby, yeah. what made you afraid of buying mirrors secondhand? Horror stories like that. It's never a good time. That one I could see being more like for effect. Is it still plausible? I guess. There you go. Abby That's will true. buy mirrors from like secondhand places. Nope. Nope. Stata, if it weren't for Abby, would you buy them? If I found the right one? I found the right one. We don't fuck around and find out in this household. (laughs) I don't love that story. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, (laughs) 
I we I really want to know when it happened. When whatever nineties. No, when at what point in this young girl's employment with the family that this soul sucking monster took her soul? Like, when did when did the switch happen? You know, mm-hmm. did it just like slowly lure yeah. her in? She kept glancing at it, glancing at it, yeah. and then like the longer she glanced, the more she'd look at it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they would say mirrors are like portals and stuff like so. That. It leaves it for, like, do you stride. feel? Do you feel like there's a spirit in? Like, what is it that freaks well, you honestly, out? Honestly, though, she she has a good point about not wanting to get it because like mirrors are known to be like portals or conduit thing. People use it for scrying stuff. So, honestly, a lot of people in like spiritual communities, you know, they always say like if you get a mirror, like to like cleanse it and stuff like that because there could be things. So she's not wrong in that aspect. No, I'm not. And no, she I'm... knows this because I told her all these things. Like, yeah, she's I'm like, it. here's all these horror stories. Can I get one? And she's like, no. That's literally how the majority of our life goes. She tells me these things and I take them so deeply to heart that I shape my entire life around it. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's moved on. That is so funny. One time I made her listen to the podcast, Let's Not Meet. And I think the first one's like, oh, that's so scary. And I mean, I like scarred her for life with it. So yeah squatters dana and people in walls oh my god oh yeah that was scary yeah and um we're driving with her and i look over and she's like i'm fine and i'm like oh please are you crying and she's like yeah i'm, like, she's like, but I'm trying to be I'm like don't be afraid this scares me we can stop it oh yeah that's not enjoyable if, if no. something brings you to tears i mean sometimes it is being scared to tears no not scared to tears yeah no yeah okay moo take it away just over 10 years ago i was fresh out of college and had moved back to my parents house for the free rent and food for nine months before i was leaving for state for for graduate school to earn some scratch i took a part-time gig doing some light booking i can't speak doing some light bookmaking bookkeeping for a small business owner guy that my dad friend my dad friend who's my dad friend there's no <laughs> friend here there's absolutely no word friend here <laughs> okay let me take that back the spirit is speaking through you and wants you to speak that they were friends what is it what is it coming what would you do if i just started babbling shut okay, the laptop and never speak to you again <laughs> Eddie, you know how much I love you. <laughs> right, Jack, I wouldn't speak to myself again. That would scare the <laughs> shit out of me. I, mean, okay. I, I would need you to go to Puerto Rico and visit whatever person helped Stanley. I need you to go get all the eggs you can get. <laughs> I would. Anyways, okay. So they had a business. Okay, I took a part-time gig doing some light bookkeeping for a small business owner guy that my dad knew. They had a business where you could rent low-level farm equipment, a small mom-and-pop type thing in the sticks. Since they knew my family, they trusted me to go in there for about 15 to 20 hours a week and check and file the rental forms, make sure nobody missed a payment date, answer an email or two, discuss prices, availability, etc. Super easy gig. The old building where I worked was about 90 years old and at the top of this little hill. 
The downstairs used to be an old country bar until the 1970s. I could work any hours I wanted to as long as the work got done. So I'd usually go in after 7 p.m. and stay until around midnight or 1 a.m. Since I knew I'd be alone and could listen to music loud and take my time. The office was on the second floor of the building and looked out onto the long driveway. One night during winter, it had snowed a few inches, but I was desperate to get out of the house. So I went into work at around 8 p.m. I always left the gate open at the bottom of the hill since, believe me when I say that, nobody ever showed up at night. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. To even turn onto our short road, you had to only be coming to our specific building and know it was there beforehand. So I was jamming away to some fallout boy. Everyone makes mistakes when they're young. And just so we know, Raymond loves fallout boy. So if he heard that, I still love fallout boy. Fallout boy is going to be featured in the new Taylor Swift album. Oh, really? Yeah. And she's like re-recording all of her albums. She's re-recording Speak Now, and she has, has a song with Fall Out Boy on it. Yeah, I like Fall Out Boy, too. I don't know what this person is saying. Yeah, we all know. But, and having some coffee, and I kept glancing at the snow outside as it worked. Since our one orange street light reflected onto the ground at the gate, and it was causing the light to shine off the snow in a really cool, dare I say, beautiful way. Around midnight, I went downstairs to do my bathroom business. Then I came back upstairs and got settled back into my work. I probably did about five minutes of work when I glanced outside and saw a huge imprint of something in the fresh snow just below the orange light. It seemed like a huge dog or substantial animal had just rolled around on the ground there on its back or something. Since I didn't notice it just 15 minutes before, It had to have happened while I was in the bathroom. I shook it off and assumed an animal was attracted to the light or something. Around 2 a.m., I was leaving and got out of my car to lock the gate. And to be honest, I had pretty much forgotten about the imprint in the snow. But when I looked down, I was shocked to see that it wasn't just some disturbed snow. But it was undeniably the imprint of a human-made snow angel. I used to make snow angels when I was a kid, and they were also very recognizable. So I 100% knew for sure that this is what it was. And it was deliberately made underneath the light post. But it wasn't from a kid. It was from a very large person. And I already knew whoever had made this snow angel could easily have looked up and seen me through that window. So they must have waited for me to head downstairs to the bathroom to make this angel. No cars had pulled up to our building. I would have seen or heard them even from the bathroom. So I glanced around for footprints in the snow and saw that there was one set that led to the nearby woods right by the building. It was clear the person didn't use the road but instead came from the opposite side, which instantly made me uneasy, since that side was just trees and darkness for miles and miles. But by now, I was freaking out and trying to get back to my SUV, and that's when I heard it. 
before I could get inside, I heard loud, high-pitched laughing coming from the woods. It almost sounded like a fake laugh, like the witch from The Wizard of Oz, like someone was doing it fake on purpose. It was close enough that I knew they could see me, but I couldn't see them at all. Since other than the streetlight I was under, there, were no, there was no illumination. After a few seconds of laughing, they stopped. And then it was just silence everywhere, except for my heart beating through my ears. Then the laughing started again, this time louder, more like screaming and laughing combined. I sort of froze for like five seconds, listening to it in a panic. Now I spent a lot of time in that area, and I know what coyotes and foxes sound like at night, with their high-pitched screeches during mating season. But this was very human. It felt like it was an adult man trying to emulate a woman laughing, like someone was deliberately trying to make a fake scary shriek laugh in order to scare someone. Well, it fucking worked. After five seconds, I immediately filled up with adrenaline, got in my car, and drove the hell away from there as fast as I could without sliding off the road. I worked there another six weeks or so and never had a single issue, though I knew where my boss kept his gun and I always made sure it was there when I started my shift. And I certainly always locked the gate from then on. Ah, that one scares me. That was so freaky. Yes. That, that I am not an advocate for assault weapons. However, if you're trying to take down something that big, I don't think a tiny little shotgun is going to work. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know what I would do. Now, if I saw this so angel, I'd be like, ha, 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 right to the car. They stayed around a lot they longer did. than I would have. They did. Both of your people, Megan, are lingerers. Lingerers right. to the worst way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a big no for me, dog. But yeah. I don't like it. I didn't like that one bit. That one really creeped me out. Because, like, it really creeped me out, too. Yeah. Like, imagine a place more desolate than, like, where we all stayed at for that Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And just picture all of that. Yeah, no. No. Being alone. You know, being alone yeah. and seeing somebody else's like you know yeah. somebody else is there you can't see them but you know that they're there and yeah. then they purposely you, make the noise to like mess and they you. can see yeah. you they can see Ugh. you but you That's can't the see them they can see you they have Ugh. Hispanic and the thing is like if they're in the woods and doing whatever they're doing they're probably more prepared than you are 100 percent um no even like in suburban where we work or where I work now if I'm there in that house all at night mm -hmm. I'm like no, I like washing dishes. I'm like, don't look up, don't look up. You're gonna see a face. Oh, so, I hate that. Yeah. No. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Might skip this one and go to the next one. Yes. <laughs> Weird thing living on my ridge right, it's is probably the, the thing from Megan's story is the title. <laughs> so I moved to East Tennessee about two years ago now. And the state is absolutely gorgeous. Waking up every morning to the beautiful sunrise and going to sleep, actually being able to see the stars is great since I lived in the city before this. Anyway, ever since I moved here with my now husband, I've been having some odd encounters slash experiences with something here. 
Not really, not really sure what it is, but here's a basic rundown of what it does. It scratches and knocks at the back door, close to the woods. That's it. Mimics voices. Oh, freaks out. Freaks out to the point where he doesn't act like himself. Scratches on the wall closest to our bed, thumps on the floor, and gives us terrible nightmares. We live in his childhood home, and he says he's been dealing with this thing for a while now. And to be very careful if I were to go up to the ridge by myself. Every time... What does that mean? Hubby? <laughs> I've been up there a few times, and every time I did, I got a very uneasy, uneasy feeling. Like eyes in the back of your head. Or a predator watching you closely kind of thing. I think I was closest to it when we had to bury a few baby rabbits of ours that had passed away. Hmm. It was dark and starting to rain. But I didn't want I didn't want to just leave them there since I had a, since I had hand fed them and had a bond with them. Me and the hubby were close to the tree line when I heard something pacing back and forth in it. I couldn't see it. But the leaves rustling and the presence alone told me what it was. I was spooked, but I kept digging since I wasn't going to leave them in the shallow grave. Whatever it was, it never popped out, but sat pacing the whole time. No growls or anything, just movement. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh my God. These are great stories. I'm going to go. <laughs> that is where I wrote this. I didn't put this in my notes. The person who wrote this was like, I don't think it's like a flesh wanderer or a Wendy boy. I'm like, she, like I think it could be a demon. And I'm like, well, either of those options are horrible. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. never so, heard of a flesh wanderer. You have. I've flesh. never heard that that what's another it's what's another term for flesh? Skin. Oh. Bada bing, bada. Oh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That is really creepy. That reminds me that like brought back a memory from a couple months ago when me, Ray, hit and his mom, we went to a cemetery that we had never been to before. Just to kind of check it out. It's like a very small cemetery in the middle of a neighborhood, but like in the middle of kind of not nowhere, but not a very busy area you know Mm -hmm. it's a small cemetery Mm -hmm. and so we're walking around and we get to the back of the cemetery and there is this area that's dug like a hole that's dug out but there was like something in it before like a bag and the bag was pulled out and ripped open a like a like a like a bag like a plastic garbage bag all right, honestly, it's a little bit better than I expected, though, because I did temporarily forget people are buried in coffins, not bags. <laughs> well, if they're, okay, if they're cremated, they come back in a bag. I like my story better. I'm just saying, <laughs> in cremation, you're given the loved ones back in a yeah. baggie with a zip tie thing. And I then it's just imagine like those bags that they put goldfish in. <laughs> no, it's a more, it's a more of a high quality plastic. I'm going to have to ask Jeroni for the picture if she took one. I know I took one, but I don't know if I can find it. Also, if I remember correctly, that's okay. I don't need it. I want to see it. Also, I took a picture today. Um, There's something near our apartment that's just in the grass. It's like this like, little like cut log with like a 
flower and a fake stone, but like carvings in it. Are you still haven't seen the thing that I saw? What the heck? I know, right? Weird. Is that on a? Is that on a a stump? Like a fake little like stump, like the size of like my palm. Weird. I was out walking the dog. And somebody had like twisted a whole bunch of sticks together oh, yeah. and hung stuff from it and then put it at a tree. And I said, Ferris, we're not going to go near that. <laughs> oh, my God. I may be the whitest person in this room right now, <laughs> but I am not an idiot. She's not that white. Did you ever see Blair Witch? Yes. I have it. Really? You watch with me? No. Abby, <laughs> how did you see it? Well, I was a rebel teenager. I got to be honest, though. I don't remember a lot from it. I don't either, but I remember this, like, stick feet. Weren't there, like, stick yeah. feet that hung? Yeah, they mm. look like this. Like an anarchy thing? Yeah. Mm. This is, like, twisted into, like, a ball. A weird. Oh, that's kind of cool. I said, we're not, we're not looking at that. We're not investigating <laughs> it. We're not going near it at all. Don't even think about it. Frog. Frog. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I love okay, it. Get hot and sleek, and it's your turn. All right, let me get to it. Okay, the next one that I'm going to tell you about is actually a written listing of something that was being sold. Ooh, Abby, we buy it? Let's see. Uh, is it affordable? For- <laughs> this is an antique teddy bear. No. And... The listing reads as follows. My grandmother went to an antique store in San Diego when she was a teen and saw this creepy looking teddy bear. She told me when she took Joey home, she started to have nightmares. Joey would be sitting on her desk in one direction, but when she woke up, he would be looking a different way. Sometimes when she would leave her room, she would come back to one of his arms up in the air. She never mentioned this to her mother or father, thinking they would just give it or throw it away. For some reason, she never wanted to give up Joey. For my grandmother, or for my grandmother's 90th birthday, she wanted me to take some of her items, including Joey. After I, I know, no thank you. After I put him in my room, I started having bad nightmares. I would get up and feel like someone or something was looking at me. Joey's head would move from one direction to another along with his arms. My kids started crying and begging me to get rid of Joey. I put Joey in our garage and stuff would be moved around or fall. I can no longer have Joey in my house or anywhere near my kids. He's looking for a new home. So hopefully it's yours. Winning bid. Somebody bought it. For $179.99. Good for them. Hate it. Hate it. You know what? This, Dana, it's not just mirrors now. It's everything. No, no <laughs> more thrifting. <laughs> we have your dad's old bank. Yeah. And every time I look at it, I'm terrified of going to move. It's like a little, like, figure. A little man. Don't get it. So, like, what? So it's, what, Megan? The little man with the green hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the little baseball player. He's so cute. Oh, yeah, he's so cute. I'm just literally picturing him just being like, <laughs> and I get so scared. And I say, I'm not, I'm not looking in that corner. 
just on really? the off chance it happened. A hundred percent. Really? Yes. I guess Is that. he in your room? No. no. He's on our bookshelf by the door. Listen, I don't want He's it. not on your bedside table? I don't Abby. need anything. He will be tonight. In, in our bedroom, I don't need anything. A picture of him in the cardinal tent in my room. Yeah, I don't need anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I ran next to the bed. I have a framed photo of of, of the film strips of me and him and a, a wooden cardinal on top of it. Oh, it's eleven eleven. This one's titled Church in the Woods. I've seen too many of those. <laughs> I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time. We could manage it. Joe lives on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest. My parents would drop me off in the morning, and we'd stay in the woods all weekend. We'd only come out for school. We loved pretending we were frontiersmen. We'd build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we got the notion of to pull a stand by me. This was based on the movie of the same name that had just come out. Videos, we'd walk the railroad tracks out in the country. But instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find pool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the track. Of course, we knew this was dangerous and we'd like to be trespassing, but we were kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers. We discovered bridges no one went to. We fished. We hid from trains. At night, we camped in woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. It was idyllic. In fact, it was so much fun. We did it multiple times and never had a problem. After high school, me and Joe went our own ways. We both left home but always stayed in touch with, and always tried to coordinate visits so we'd see each other occasionally. One summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with family in the day, and at night we'd either catch drinks at a bar or sit outside Joe's house and around a fire and talk about the old days. One night, me and Joe got talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix. Soon we decided to take a day, walk the rails, camp one night, and walk home. The day came. We started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off at our old spot where we used to start, right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we take the opposite direction, just to be adventurous. We knew the land well. We had a map. So I gave, what the hell, and off we went. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad, but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat on the edge, smoked a joint, and moved on. We had no fishing gear, but we brought some canned food and other stuff. Before night started to set in, we picked a spot to camp. It was a little thick forest area, trees on every side of the train track, so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought small hammocks to sleep in, but before we set them up, we decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days, too. We'd walk the area around a little bit to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over the hill and we were actually camping in their yard. We walked maybe 100 or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from the top of the short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top of the hill, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about 100 yards into the wood. It was barely visible. We pondered over what to do. We both assumed it was a sugar shack or something because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either. All was quiet. No movement could be seen. No lights. We decided to walk a little closer just to make sure. We came down the hill very slowly 
And as we neared the, the building, we saw it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was an old church. It looks like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. A cross stood on top of the place, also weathered in black. None of the windows had glass, and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside. There were rows of pews and a built-up section in the front for a preacher to stand. We didn't go all the way in. We didn't want to. Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no path, no roads. It was an abandoned church. We left immediately and went back up the hill to our spot we had picked to camp. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. We chalked it up to the natural creepiness of seeing a church in the middle of nowhere. With, besides, at this point, it was dusk and we decided to bring up our hammocks and go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in, and as we lay in our hammocks and shot the shit, we began to hear something in the direction of the church. Our conversation about it went a little like this. Do you hear that? What the fuck is that? It sounds like people singing. And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, trying to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move very quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree. But it was near pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill, and we didn't talk. When we got to the top, we saw light in the distance. It was coming from the church, and the singing was coming from inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a hushed conversation that boiled down to, can you believe this shit? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered, and though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. We sat and watched a while, trying to see who was there, but we only saw occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting closer either. We had about a football field length between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit, and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the shit out of me. It sounded like old, some Old Testament preacher you see in the movies. But again, it was like he was speaking in a different language because we couldn't understand a single word. Eventually, it got to where the singing male voice would say something and a bunch of voices would answer it in a song. It lasted for a while and they all broke out into this long, sustained wail. It just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I covered my ears. Then it stopped. At this point, I was just getting ready to say, let's get the fuck out of here. When Joe put his hand on my shoulder and hissed, they're coming out. <gasps> we were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well. What we could see was a line of figures walk out the open doorway, all holding hands in single file. We could see some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again, and the light from the flashlight began to move toward us and the hill. <laughs> We booked it back down to our campsite, grabbed our shit, and ran to the tracks. Once there, we ran in the direction we had come from. 
After a few after a few minutes, we looked back. We saw lights coming down the hill. They were moving erratically, like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually got. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. By our map, we knew a small town was about fifty minutes down the down it, and we walked there. Got a twenty four hour gas station and called my wife to come get us. <laughs> my wife and other friends all thought. Literally, my wife and other friends all thought it was kids messing around, but I heard the voices and the sure as hell didn't sound like kids to me. Not sure who those people were, but it definitely was the creepiest thing that happened to me out in the woods. Uh, Yes. Wow. (laughs) That was quite a story. That was quite a trip because I was like halfway through. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, and not like given the distance of the Internet, like isn't so much as scary as it's just like fascinating you know and then it got scary mm-hmm. and then i hated it when i was reading first i was like oh, it's not bad it's kind of fun like yeah kind of, like creepy yes. I and i just saw to like remind me of my childhood and then i said this does not remind me of my childhood uh-huh. anymore it reminds uh-huh. me of what i'm afraid of yeah yeah i stopped liking it mm-hmm. and, real quick and then i didn't like it at all <laughs> and they were sleeping in hammocks so they had like no protection there was no protection there was no like there was no covers to protect them nothing i feel like i would just bury myself in the hammock and like have my hands over my ears and and just die i got that yeah. scared i later i scared myself after we went on the houseboat yeah i was like we slept with the windows open the curtains open facing the river like the hudson river and i was like we were like, nothing could see us. But I was like, something could have been the other side of the river on that little island. Something oh. could have us. Well, I'm really fucking glad you didn't tell me that while we were there. I didn't think about that until I was like, the other day, I was like, we what had a terrible thought. We had a rule that said that if you have scary <laughs> thoughts, shut the fuck up about them. You cannot share them. Oh, yeah. Until we're driving away. In daylight. <laughs> oh, tomorrow morning literally the rule was we couldn't say anything scary until we were leaving anytime i would be like tina she'd be like no rule and vice versa yeah because i said no we're not fucking around on this trip no because the thing is like yeah we can hang but also we don't care we would leave we if would we leave. got scared no problem no we trouble. would drive home in a heartbeat oh yeah yeah it's only yeah. two of us and our dog yeah you know yeah we've no one to we have no one to uh mm-hmm. To no. and I'm selfish enough to not care, and I am brave enough that yeah, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Let's go. So, <laughs> yeah, that story was real scary, though. Thank you. And also, yeah. want to start running again, so that way I could just sprint <laughs> away from stuff instead of me just like walking as fast as I could <laughs> and lay down the traps. Like you know, a train take me out. Honestly, oh, I get hit by God. a train and have those like church woods people. <laughs> They might not have been people. They flashlights. So? Okay. They might not have been flashlights. There you go. Okay. Well, on that note. Go ahead, Megan. Almost a year ago, I was an opener at a resort, clocking in before 5 a.m. each day. The resort is located inside of an affluent neighborhood in a very wealthy town slash suburb. Employees had to park in one of two parking lots at either end of the property. And the lot I chose was adjacent to a long and windy road outside the resort, which led to the rest of the neighborhood. 
The road and the resort were separated by a short range of brush and tree that no one ever walked through. I'd arrived one morning per usual and put the car into park with my headlights still on. The lights in the lot weren't ever on in the morning since no one else really showed up before 6 a.m. when the sun was out. So it was usually always dark at the start of my walk. Save for security, I was one of the first employees to arrive on the property each morning and was usually completely alone in this particular parking lot at this time. This morning didn't seem any different. I had my hand literally at my keys, my brain in the process to turn off my car when I noticed a young girl, maybe like 14 or 15 years old, come scampering. Her body language was the exact definition. Run with quick, light steps, especially through fear or excitement. Through the span of trees that separated the resort from the outside road. She was directly in front of my car, and my headlights illuminated a clear view of her in the pitch black. She looked like she was in high school, had long blonde hair, and was wearing a jacket with pajamas, maybe, like she'd just walked out of her house. One thing about her that bothered me was that she wouldn't stop laughing and smiling. I couldn't hear her laughing from outside the car but she was visually giggling at something I wasn't aware of or could see. And it was so unnatural. Abby, what did you say? I don't like this. She occasionally glanced behind her as if someone else were there, waiting away from the headlights. She then waved at me like it were a normal gesture at this time and then immediately ran to my passenger side door. This all happened in a matter of seconds, and I wasn't really sure what was even happening besides my anxiety spiking. Our joint flailing I got freaked out because you gasped. She ran to the side with I know, I know, but with my auditory processing, it took me a moment to realize what she said. Half the time, my reactions come from Dana's reactions, and Dana's like, "All right, I'm reacting," and I'm like, "How funny!" I want to see that later, Dana. If you could send me that clip, yeah, I do. Okay, hold on. Pass the side door. I know. I simultaneously yanked the aux from my phone to shut whatever song had been playing off while grabbing for for the lock button. I remember feeling panicked for never remembering if it's up or down to lock when the girl began pulling violently and incessantly on the door handle on the passenger side. I realized because I didn't turn my car off, it stayed locked. She began pounding on the window and I was screaming at the top of my lungs for her to leave before pressing on my horn. I could see her laughing outside like this were some type of game as if I were a silly friend not letting her in as a joke. After a few seconds, she stopped the pounding and tried to open my car door. Her face fell flat like I had disappointed her, and she started to walk away from my car back to the way she came. She waved at me again before squeezing through the trees out of the view of my headlights. This whole encounter confused me almost as much as it scared me. Most people I told the story to just chalked it up to her being on drugs. 
but the narrative hasn't felt right to me despite her behavior. Maybe she was just being an extremely out-of-touch teenager whose parents need a firmer grip on her. My first thought was possibly human trafficking, but I'm not sure if that would fit the scenario as I'm not the most well-versed with the subject. I told someone when I made it to LP. What's LP? I don't know. Maybe like the, where she works, like the, the, the main area. Okay. But they didn't seem to much care. I didn't call the police and I regret that. I'll never get out of my brain how fucking off the feeling was watching a stranger seemingly alone pop out from the trees in the darkness laughing and then try to violently enter your car in an empty parking lot. I do think the possibility of someone else being present the whole time is a lot more scary. And I wonder who else was there and where exactly. Mm-hmm. That freaked me the fuck. They still go to the parking lot. I'm like, hey guys, guess what? I no longer come in at 5.30. I come in with everyone else <laughs> and I... We carpool. Everyone carpools now. Listen, <laughs> I don't believe in God that much for myself personally. However, the one thing that keeps me believing is that the Lord knows that if I ever had one of these experiences, I'd be done. <laughs> I would be done. I have no resilience to be able to keep on after that. I would never go to work again. I would never leave my house again. Nope. Abby, what I- would you do in that scenario? In that scenario, I would lock my door so fast. I hope. Because, like, you don't know what you're going to do. Like, maybe your brain just, like, pauses. Right. I would lock my door so fast, and then I feel like I would drive away. I'd start crying. Yeah. I'm a person who tears out. I just, like, <laughs> I'd start crying. Yeah. I feel like I would probably just, like, try to drive away, like, not even caring if I accidentally hit her. The mm-hmm. moment I saw her scampering, I'd be like, oh, no. Also, mm-hmm. Megan, I have to point out a disturbing trend with your stories. They all have people smiling and laughing. And Ooh. I want to say, who hurt you? <laughs> what, what happy person in your life hurt you? Oh, my you God. Like was the other one like that, too? They all smiled in hers. The first one. Which one was that? I'm trying to uh, go back. The laughter. Oh, the laughing, the laughing snow angel. Yeah. Hey. I'm the yeah. laughing snowman. I said, that's worse. I feel which you're right yeah i'm glad laughing is scary guys it is it's so scary okay (laughs) growing up in the appalachian mountains i could give you a million stories about times as a kid and young adult i felt scared or paranoid playing in the woods it's a beautiful place and i spent my entire childhood getting lost not literally out there by myself or with friends as kids, we never got too far out there, but you could actually see progression of us venturing further and further out as we got older because of forts and carvings we would leave. This one particular time, like a thousand times before, my friends and I had just graduated high school. It was our last summer of freedom, and we spent the entire summer camping and hiking out there. We decided to try and find a new place to set up camp and walked for what felt like a few miles before we came upon a nice clearing. The area was relatively new to both of us. We got the camp set up and fire going, and the plan was to wait until nightfall, smoke some weed, and play Monopoly. For the sake of backstory on my friend and I, my buddy is a smaller, real goofy guy 
but comes from a family of foresters and always had a deep understanding of all the trees and different plants he came across. He had no fear of going and camping out by himself. If I spent 10,000 hours in the woods, he probably had spent 50,000. As for me, I'm, t- I'm a taller, sturdier guy. And as I got older, I spent more time worried about women and sports and the woods became a place for, for, small, a place for small parties. Also, I never had the balls to camp out alone. In fact, older me wouldn't go far at all when I was alone because I could never shake the feeling of being watched, which, is, which was just paranoia, but still an, an uneasy feeling. Anyways, camp is set, fire's going, but it's getting lower and needs wood. Sun is down, and we're both cutting up and having a good time. My friend is sitting on this little chair he always brought and, and loading up this makeshift bong. And I was crouched, breaking some excess limbs off some logs we had gathered for the fire. All of a sudden, this strong breeze cut to the clearing. I couldn't tell you if it was the suddenness of it or what, but my friend and I both stopped immediately and looked at each other. The breeze went on just long enough to flicker our fire down to a small flame. We both sat completely still in almost total darkness, neither of us saying a word. Across a part of the fire, we could hear footsteps. They sounded like someone was running and would slow to a walk and then run again. Definitely on two legs. No. By the sound of it, they were pacing back and forth over the same spot. Then, just like it started, it stopped with a softer crunch of the underbush. I knew by the sound it had taken a crouch. I was crouched still, and I knew I was staring right at it in the dark. My friend grabbed my shoulder and said, buddy. And when he did, I felt a surge of fear come over me. I could feel it and hear it in him. I had been so fixated on the footsteps and rationalizing what I heard that I hadn't even considered being afraid. But this was true fear. It was raw and made me feel helpless. I could hear my friend after a while grab some leaves and he dropped them in the fire. For the split second, the leaves covered the fire. We were in pure darkness. Then the fire sprang to life. We both quickly grabbed more leaves and brush and threw them on the fire. I got some sticks and logs on there, and neither of us took our eyes off the spot or moved much for an hour. Finally, the leaves crunched, and it slowly walked off. Whatever it was had sat crouched watching us moving, for far longer than any animal would. It wasn't until after the footsteps disappeared that I realized the smell had disappeared as well. It smelled like a paper mill. Spoiled eggs, almost. For the rest Ooh. of the night, besides wh- whispered remarks, neither of us really moved or stopped looking at the spot. Nobody went into the tent, and I had a very short light sleeping, sitting on the ground with my head rested on my hands. My friend never went to sleep. In the morning, we packed up and suddenly walked back home. To this day, we talk. To this day, we talk about it. In the seven to eight years since it happened, my forester friend has not camped by himself out there since. I have one question for the both of you. Mm-hmm. Why? Why am I here? <laughs> why am I here? Why are we doing this right now? It's a celebration of it's our love for you. Exactly. We love you. We want to scare you. Thank you so much. They say sharing is caring, but actually scaring is caring. Yeah, put that on your shirt. <laughs> That's not exactly how I show love. 
that is not part of my love language. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that was. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> don't fuck with the Appalachian Mountains. Everybody knows that. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows. Abby doesn't fuck with them. That's what <laughs> I have lived in them for too long. Well, you know, that makes me so nice. Scary stories, and it reminded me of my experiences in the woods, which I don't have any like scary experiences. Don't go getting excited. Mm-mm. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. But it I just was. know. I remember that pervading feeling of like yeah, you're being watched, being watched, and like I wasn't even that far out. But like I had a friend, and my best friend growing up lived much farther in the mountains than I did because I was still like close to suburbia. But she was like twenty minutes, thirty minutes into the mountains. Mm. And was very secluded. Like, she lived on, like, this dirt road, was one of, like, maybe five houses on the road, and then was up, like, a like half-mile-long driveway going up and, like, further isolated from the dirt road in the mountains. And, like, mm-hmm. there was, like, a graveyard not too far away from her house where you could, like, walk to it. And I just always remember being outside and being, like, can we go in? <laughs> that is so scary. The woods, there's something creepy about the woods. Like, even though as a whole, there's there should be nothing really scary about it, you know? Yeah. Because it's just a bunch of trees and, and that's animals. It is. It's not just a bunch of trees. We think it. We think, that's, a, that's the way I think we rationalize in our brain yeah. in our little like, like at first glance it's supposed to be a bunch of trees you yeah. know and then you listen to podcasts like this and you realize that you're not alone you're not alone there's people uh, actually the Appalach- Appalachian I area know, I know I thought immediately when you were telling this story I thought a feral person yeah <laughs> and like not even that but like the cave system and stuff like that at Appalachia is just so older than that's so cool yeah all the trees in the entire world <laughs> That's so cool. So, Dana, I have one more story. How many more stories do you have? I have one more story, too. Okay, perfect. So, yeah. There's an abandoned house between my town and the town next to me on one of the country roads that connects us. I've been to it before and even went inside twice with my sister and my best friend. It's an old house that dates back centuries. According to the bank records that I was able to find, and you can just tell by the design, the house is two stories with a basement, has lots of furniture and objects strewn inside, and is far from empty. You can tell that it hasn't been lived in for decades, and whoever had it, whoever had previously owned it almost seemed like they just disappeared one day, leaving everything behind. The way I was able to get in before was through the cellar door in the basement, which is broken open and propped up with some big sticks. My first visit was around two years ago, and I hadn't gone back at all in that time. Another friend had expressed interest in seeing the house when I told him about my experience. And so last summer, I told him that I'd take him to it. I never thought it was a dangerous trip and told him that it's just an interesting place to explore. We parked across the street from the house in the parking lot of one of the industrial buildings nearby. The road was a rural road, but it was far from being unused. And we, and we didn't want to be questioned by anyone. My friend, being braver than me, despite my previous visits, 
led the way across the street and to the front of the house. He asked me a couple of questions about it and what stuff I'd found in there. I told him that I had, I told him that the kitchen still had expired food in it and that the upstairs had a board game set that I ended up bringing home with me. As we walked from the front of the house to the side leading to the back with the cellar, I made note that there was a lot more brush than when I had been there last time. I had gone in the spring when I had gone to my sister, when I had gone with my sister and my best friend, and I never experienced that thick brush that I was now carefully moving through. I made a comment to my friend that there was a lot more foliage than when I had gone before, as we both tried to figure out a path to the cellar. Eventually, we pushed through the some. Eventually, we pushed through some branches and found the cellar broken and propped open, just as it had just as I had last seen it. We walked for a second about being nervous, and I really took in the view of the cellar that led into the dark, abandoned house. I remember being really intimidated while looking at the opening, and I made note that some of the sticks propped open the cellar propping open the cellar didn't look familiar to me. I didn't state it out loud, however, as I thought it was just my anxiety. My friend and I discussed who should go first, and he said, since I'm the expert, I should head in first. No. Go ahead, I was, You go first. Yeah, you're the guest. I was hesitant, but eventually after a good few, but eventually after a good five minutes of breathing and calming myself down, I started down the steps of the cellar. It was an awkward entrance as half the cellar was collapsed and little room for maneuvering. You had to duck under part of the cellar door that was still put together, then inch your feet down step by step, step, and finally turning your body sideways to fit through the small gap into the basement. I don't want to go anywhere that badly. Me either. <laughs> Me neither. I took a long time after ducking under the door since my nerves came back for a second. I made it in fine, and my friend followed very quickly, which I appreciated. We both stood in the corner of the basement now, taking it in. I turned my phone's flashlight on, and he did too. There was a spiderweb in the path to the stairs up the first floor. I looked around and found some sort of tool to knock down the spiderweb, and I took the tool and swiped it through the web. After that, I tossed the tool onto the concrete floor. My friend and I talked quietly. And I don't remember what about, but afterwards we fell silent for a second. Above us, I clearly heard footsteps on the boards above our heads. It almost seemed like they were heading to the stairs that led down to the basement. I remember this part the best. As I looked at my friend and he didn't seem to react to the footsteps I was hearing. I looked at him suddenly very worried. And before I could even say anything, he said, we need to go. He turned around and practically jumped up the stairs. I remember thinking he got out instantly. I'm sorry. I remember thinking he got out insanely fast. I could see him turn and reach his hand back to help me up. I was a bit slower, but as quickly as I stepped up the stairs, he pulled me through the opening. I landed on my hands and knees after I escaped the cellar and I immediately stood up facing the weeds. I turned around to my friend who was crouched, staring down the cellar. I said to him that we should get out of here, and he turned away and told me to go first through the weeds. I pretty much just ran through the brush, definitely getting cut up by something, but we made it through them and back in front of the house very quickly. 
My friend kept urging me to go in front of him, and he watched behind us before switching to flashing his light in the window on the first floor of the front of the house. I asked him what he was doing and if he was okay. He didn't really answer me at first, so I asked him if he heard the footsteps before we bolted out of the basement. He turned to me and said that he heard them, and that's why we were and that's why he was watching the cellar to see if anyone was following us out. He continued, saying that after he pulled me up, he turned to guide me away, but before he could before he let go of my hand, and when he turned back, he saw the bare feet of someone standing at the bottom of the cellar. Because the cellar's dilapidated structure, he could only see their feet and a pair of their legs. At that point, that's when he told me to go through the weeds first. He never saw them come up the cellar stairs or move away from them before he followed me. I didn't believe him at first and thought he was just trying to scare me, but I could tell by the serious tone of his voice that the silent look he gave me after telling me that he wasn't trying to make me laugh or lighten the mood. I still asked if he was lying, and he aggressively said that he wasn't. He told me that I heard the footsteps already, so I knew something had to be in the house. We stood for a second, but not really saying anything, before we both then agreed to go back across the street towards our cars. We stood by our cars for a while, watching the house to see if anything or anyone came out, but nothing appeared. After talking for a bit about how crazy that was, and him reassuring me that he was telling the truth, it started to rain and we decided to call it a night. I fully believe him and he's always stood by what he saw. I haven't gone back to that house ever since and I like to tell myself that whoever was in the house was just a homeless person finding shelter. I still get shivers to this day. However, thinking about how close that person was to me as I scrambled up the cellar. Oh, I think that was the end. Thinking? Oh, yeah. I still get <laughs> sorry I didn't end that very well but anyways I that one freaked me out personally because I used to think about seeing someone's bare dirty feet at the entrance of my door at the other house that we lived in that didn't have a door it was just <laughs> curtains and there was like a gap underneath and I would just imagine somebody like running down that hallway and I would see their bare dirty feet at the bottom of it so that's why that scared me. I don't mean to minimize your it's fear. It's a dirty feet. No, it's fine. Dirty feet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they're they're dirty too. Yeah, that one depends. Also, some friend that guy aces. Oh yeah. For some reason, I was so afraid that he was not a good friend, and that like he knew that who the person was like that, and was like doing something. I got so scared at first. And I feel like there wouldn't be a story to tell if that happened. I know. But like, the, yeah. Great friend. Yeah. I would I would have left your ass. He pulled her up so fast. He pulled him up and he said, I'll know it. Go. I'll know it. Oh, absolutely. You, you would have deuced. Oh, know. God. Okay. <clears throat> Truly, this is my last story. Truly bizarre encounter makes me question the future. I used to work at a casino. One night, I was approached by an elderly woman asking about paging someone over the intercom. I tried explaining where to go, but she insisted I personally walk her to the desk where I can, where they can do that. As I walked through the casino, she started talking to me. She mentioned she was a medium and how her family had always strictly advised her against sharing the information with people. 
When you work at a casino, you encounter a lot of scammers and odd people. I was polite, but tried not to engage with her too much on the topic. As we kept walking, she said something to me about my sister. I stopped and asked her how she knew my sister. She didn't, but she started talking to me at great length about my family. At this particular time, my sister was going through a very difficult time in life and was impacting our family as a whole. I was skeptical, but curious. As she went on, I was careful to neither confirm nor deny anything, but just listen to what she had to say. She went into great detail <laughs> about how my father and mother and even I played into this current situation. She even became visibly emotional, as if she could feel what my mother was feeling. I was utterly astonished as she told me that I, being the oldest and most diplomatic in the family, dynamic needed to be more outspoken with everyone involved. Everything she had told me was undeniably accurate and insightful, but then she shifted her focus. She told me about someone I worked with and went into great detail about what that person looked like and how they felt about me. She talked about the dynamic between us and advised me to take caution. At this point, she had lost me. I couldn't think of a single person or relationship in my working life that had fit that description. I began becoming more skeptical again and reminded her that I needed to get back to work and, she, and to keep walking towards the and to keep walking towards our destination. She kept talking to me as we walked and began to once again find myself astonished as to not just what she was telling me, but also how she would go about it. Her body language, expressions, and emotional energy. As we got closer, she abruptly stopped walking. When I noticed, when I noticed, I did as well and turned back to her. Before I could say anything, she placed her palm on the base of my sternum, above my belly button, just below where my ribcage started. I immediately noticed a physical sensation. I became paralyzed, almost felt like she was stealing the breath from my body. I started becoming hyper-aware of my surroundings, the lights and dings from the electronic games, the mass on the people walking by, but everything to, seemed to be moving in slow motion or as if I was leaving my body. I could have, it could have only been a couple of seconds. It could have been 20 minutes. I don't know. But I felt as if I couldn't breathe and weakness in my knees. I started to feel like I was on the verge of passing out. Casino security saw this encounter and approached us. One security interrupted us to ask what was going on and must have startled her because I felt this shockwave through my entire body. She jerked her hand back and started pausing profusely to me. As soon as she pulled her hand back, I was able to breathe again and gain control back of my body. I was completely freaked out. It must have been visible because security kept asking if I was okay. I assured them that everything was fine and they walked off. I turned back to the woman who was still, apolog still apologizing, and she said, if you don't do something with that ulcer, it's going to kill you. I was so freaked out, I told her thanks, but I have to go back to work and quickly headed back to my office. Not only was I in a bizarre headspace, but, noticed, but I was noticeably void of physical energy. The entire experience was the most profound encounter of my life, and I'll never forget those words and physical sensation. I was having a lot of stomach issues at the time, but I was too far scared to get medical verification of an ulcer. I had already previously suspected it, and it was potential side effects of medication I was on at the time. But if that wasn't bizarre enough on its own, it gets even weirder. The entire the, the encounter happened nearly 10 years ago, and it has sat with me ever since. But recently, I was reflecting back on it. I realized the second part about the coworker that initially made no sense at all suddenly did. 
The entire situation played out in my life a few years ago. The description of the person and the very specific details were 100% spot on from what was described to me 10 years ago. I even realized the entire situation was initiated nearly seven years to the day from the moment the woman described it to me. Not only were the two incidents separated by seven years, but the person she described I hadn't even met yet and was in an entirely different state and company. I don't know what to make of this. I've come here to see what others have to take of it about it. But yeah. That's really cool. I thought I'd leave it looking nice, little spooky, but not like Thank you. I was like <laughs> Yeah. So that yeah. was so interesting. It's incredible that some people are so talented like that. Right. I know. There's a place nearby us that I keep feeling drawn to and I want to go. Place they, they have a palm as their mailbox with like stars under it. Interesting. What is it? It's a psychic place. Oh. Yeah. You would go? I'm kind of, maybe. We talked about maybe doing it when you come up. She got so excited. (laughs) Okay. Now, before we end, we have a little would you rather. I'm excited. Okay. Would you rather... Would you rather play with a cursed Ouija board or spend a weekend in a haunted cabin in the woods? Oh, gosh. That's a great question. I hate both options. I know. I'm trying to hide my dirty feet from my... <laughs> I don't like either of them. I would like option C. You can't. A or B, you can't choose death. That's the rule of our game. What are the chances? Maybe the... I'm going to regret any decision I made. I'd say haunted woods, haunted cabin woods. 100%. No, I don't fuck with Ouija boards. Well, do I. Yeah, but you could close the game. No, if it's worse, something could attach to you. Even if you close it? Yeah. But, like, something could happen at the Ouija, at the the Ouija house. I just take some drugs and I sleep the whole entire weekend. (laughs) But you wouldn't sleep the whole entire weekend. Whole entire weekend. Are you alone? Do you have to be alone? No. I guess so for I both, you can have people with you. Mm-hmm. I would choose the the home. The home. How severely haunted is it, though? Like a dangerous level haunting? Yes. Oh, I, mean, I guess I said yes. <laughs> yes. So how do you know you're going to survive? Oh, well, I I feel like I'd rather die in a haunted house than with a Ouija board involved. When you say cursed Ouija board, there's something evil attached. Yeah. Like, definitely. Okay. With the haunted it's house, haunted I feel house. like a haunted house is not always evil. It's like really like yeah, yellow energy. It was dangerously haunted. It's like moderately haunted. There's so pop up when I say that. It's like <laughs> moderate. I don't like any of these options. Cool. We're in the woods, all of us. Yeah, I think we'll be in the woods. Okay. I'll just wear noise canceling headphones all the time and walk around like this. La 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 la. My eyes. <laughs> The only thing is I'd be afraid of sleeping time. Would you? I mean, after all this video things, I like people like being pulled through the bed, it feels like. Oh, yeah. See, I don't like that. I know I would have a dream. No. See, and the week is a long time to go through something miserable, you know? It's the sleeping time that scares me. Yeah. See, I was like, the Ouija board is quick. No, it might not be. It might not be. But you would guarantee... It's just we live with we live with neighbors. Abby, you're making me change my mind. I I just I they're all terrible options. I choose the house, the cabin. 
I don't like a location that's in the woods. That is hard, too. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the Ouija board because I don't want to have a bad dream. A Ouija board can affect your dreams, too, though, Megan. Yeah, but the Ouija board is at a location that's not my house. And... Oh, it's not your house? (laughs) No. (laughs) You made those rules. It's not your house. It's not at my home. Okay. Is that yours? Is that my house? <laughs> Sorry, our Taylor house, ours is at Megan's house. Okay. Would you rather be hunted in the purge or wake oh. up and find there's been a zombie apocalypse and you're surviving in it? Purge. Zombie apocalypse. I <laughs> said purge. The purge is a day, isn't it? I think it's like a night. I don't know if yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, zombie apocalypse is the rest of your fucking life. Good luck. True. Purge. No, zombie apocalypse. The purge thing freaks me the fuck out. I don't want somebody to be chasing me like that. That's scary. I just find a certain place and I lock. You know, honestly, either way, I'm, I'm not lasting listen, that long. Listen, I would bury myself in the open with air holes. I would just go so deep underground. that you done already. That's funny. I have a question about that. But I've also never seen the Purge movies before. So, and I don't want to. Don't. Don't. Okay. Would you rather spend an entire night in a coffin underground or spend the night in a haunted hotel? Hotel. Hotel. Choosing this. Hotel. Yes. All right. Well, technically, we've stayed at a haunted hotel before. We have technically, I guess. Yeah. I forgot that you answered the question last time. I think that I have the Liberty Hotel. It's technically haunted, but I've never. So I guess hotel, just because there's not a guarantee that something's going to happen. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're underground. You're underground. You're not coming out. And you're claustrophobic. And I'm yeah. so claustrophobic. <clears throat> oh, okay. yeah. Would you rather be lost in the woods with a red-eyed creature? Or would you rather look out your window at night and see something wrapping its hands around the ledge looking in? Ooh. the window but i don't even want i think disassociated. i did just disassociate for a quick second how long am i in the woods for a night you're Abby, you have nowhere to hide you're in the woods yeah yeah i guess because i can just call 911 at my house and be like save me <laughs> please so yeah yeah, the window. Okay. Uh, would you rather wake up in the middle of the night? Would you rather see... you? you sorry. You wake up in the middle of the night. Okay. Would you rather see a shadow man above you or a clown smiling down at you? Shadow man. <laughs> shadow man, please. Maybe a clown. No. If I feel like the clown is real. I can stab it with something. I can hit it with my lamp. I'm not moving all. No, I'm not gonna move at all. Yeah, but see, then you could stab them, (laughs) or Ferris would tear them to pieces. Whereas with the Shadow Man, like we're all scared. Supernatural. You can't do much about that. Like if our salt that we keep on our bedside table did nothing, nothing's gonna work for it except for moving and burning this place down. And last but not least, wait, Diddy, what was your answer? Clown Shadow Man. Why Shadow Man? I clown scare me. I don't know. Same. Same. I feel like a Shadow Man. Like, okay, well, what do? You, what can you do to me? Right. 
in this moment. You could like traumatize me and scar me in this moment. But you can't do like, I will leave the next day. I get that. Wow. We have one one way out of this bedroom. Megan, do you remember back in like 2016 when people were just randomly seeing a whole bunch of clowns places? Yes. Dana and I had just met and we were walking on like a kind of like a... It's called a carriage lane? Yeah. It's like a secondary road that's just for pedestrians that runs parallel to the main road so you but it's like there's some car- oh, there's houses on it so it's like if you have a car you can drive yeah. your car but there's there, but no through traffic or anything like yeah. that yeah so we were walking one night and it was like starting to get dark that blue that blue twilight oh and it was like like the height of clown paranoia and we were walking <laughs> i said we were just walking i saw two people walking towards us because like it's in a pretty busy city yeah and i said are they clowns? I said, what? I don't think so. And I said, we're not finding out. And then I ran back to the car. Literally. <laughs> we never found out if they were clowns. So I've long been scary avoidant. <laughs> oh, my God. And you guys just. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, like, just like, what, like a month before. Yeah. That's what we started what to did do. you think of her? I don't know. She's very, she's, she's, she's very a bulldozer, but a lovely person. I ended up getting pneumonia when we were training for a marathon. Or... It was not a marathon. Whatever. It was a 10K. There's a difference of about what uh, 20 miles. It's called something, though. A race. Running. I was training for a running thing. <laughs> and I got pneumonia. And I was like, Abby, Abby, can go to this race. She's like, yes, you can. Just take some medicine and fly. I was like, I am dying. I, I went back to that. And finally, one of her friends, who was like a didn't nurse, know how bad pneumonia was. Was like she can't fly. A nurse, she just had pneumonia like three times. And I was like, <laughs> she she can't fly. I was like, oh, thank God for you, Fred, because I was like, Mom, she keeps saying I can do it. I don't think I, I can, can do it. Literally, it was like coughing so hard that I was like vomiting up everything I was eating. Like, I'm cut, cut this out, but I coughed so hard that I like threw a pizza on my on myself. Oh, just and I was like, I had dinner. Yes. The 10k was up a mountain. Abby drove the road and like took a video for me. I said, I don't want to fucking die. Yeah, she wouldn't have, <laughs> died. She wouldn't have made that of that alive. How many laps would you rather? Sharks with arms or flying bears? Sharks flying with arms. My biggest fear. Do these sharks have legs too? Like, can they exist anywhere out of the water? No. All right. Sharks with arms? So then sharks with arms. No. <laughs> I just won't. I'm not going in the deep end. I'm not going. I'm going to stay on the shallows of the beach. The shallows, shallows. Boats. The shallows. <laughs> Boats. I just won't go on a boat. Whereas a flying bear, like, right now. how prevalent in your life are birds? Very prevalent. It'd be the same. Abby- did you see the the whale that swallowed the two people, but they lived? No. Thought so for the video. Were they named Jonah? No. <laughs> they were kayaking. Oh, wait. I think I did see this. Was it a long time ago? No, should, oh, there might have been, but shouldn't tell you just recently. Okay. Did you, what did you send it to? Instagram. Oh, was it? I sent it to you and Abby, I thought. Maybe not. No, it's a meme, Rachel and mommy. Yes, I did see this. And also the whales recently that are like basically purposely destroying ships 
They go, say, well, go Gladys. You do it. You're not going to do anything about climate change. So I'm going to do something about my climate change. <laughs> Just for you. Okay, girls. And here is your favorite time. Have you sent for this quiz? Yeah. No. Surprise, <laughs> Megan. You're going to give me nightmares. Megan, what is the square root of 64? Is this a joke? Because I don't know if it's, it's a joke. It's eight. It's eight. Good job, man. I'm Wait, always What's the square root? I don't remember how to do this. <laughs> this is her nightmare. I know. Megan, what is the square root of 144? I don't remember how to do this. It's 12. It's 12. I, I can thank my dad for very little in life. Uh, I can thank him for my The square root is like what times what? Like what square? Like 8 times 8 is 64. 12 times 12 is 144. What number times? Yeah. I'm not playing this game. We're not. It's my... It's a cryptid quiz. I found this cryptid quiz online. These are kind of hard. I just want to let you guys know that. But it's multiple choice. It might well be the most famous of monsters. This beast reportedly lurks in the depths of Scotland's Loch Ness. When and by who was the first sighting of Nessie? Was it Colonel Robert Wilson in 1932? Arthur Grant in 1812? Father Gregory Brusson in 1651? Or St. Columba in 565 A.D.? Father, somebody or other. Okay. Father Grant. Ooh. And St. Columba in 565 AD. Spoiler alert. I did Nessie. You did. I did. I should have remembered Columba because I kept thinking Columbo. I know. Strange beasts are said to lurk within the Giandu swamps of Zambia. Known as Kongamato, they resemble what type of creature? Brontosaurus? Pterosaurus? Pandas? Or saber-toothed tigers. Oh, I thought you were going to say kangaroos. Hmm. Give me the give me the options again, because I just got stuck on the name. Kongamanga? <laughs> Kongamato. Oh, um, Brontosaurus. <laughs> Pterosaurus is the type of dinosaur. Pterosaurus. Very lucky. So, Brontosaurus, Pterosaurus, Pandas. Or saber-toothed tiger. Uh, well, panda seems like a wild part. <laughs> I'm going to say saber-toothed tiger. Megan? There are two dinosaurs, so I'm assuming it's one of the dinosaurs. I'm going to go one? with the, the pterosaurus I've never freaking heard of. You it. are correct. In 1932, Ivan Sanderson was attacked by a congamato. <laughs> Coming straight at me. Only a few feet above the water was a black thing the size of an eagle. I had only a glimpse of its face, yet it, that was sufficient for its lower jaw hung open and bore a semicircle of pointed white teeth. That is the Kangamato. I, I pay all respect to the Kangamato. In 1920, Stan Bergman discovered the skin of a bear much bigger than any in the area. He dubbed the bear Ursa Arctos Piscator. In which part of the world did Bergman find his skin? Tibet, Nova Scotia, Sierra Nevada, or Kamchatka. What's the last one? Uh, I don't know where that is. It's in Russia. It's in Russia. Which makes sense with the bear. The only other evidence of the bear's existence were huge tracks. Others, I'm sorry, one theory suggests that Bergman's bear is a surviving link to the Arctodus simus, a prehistoric bear which stood six feet at the shoulder. That's on all fours. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Six feet on all fours. Mm -hmm. That is terrifying. Just imagine that flying. Okay, number four. There are 10 questions. A giant humanoid is said to live in the Australian bush, known to the Aborigines for thousands of years. First reports by Europeans date back to the early 1800s. What is this creature commonly known as? Is it a howler, a bunyip, a yowie, or a swaggy? Either a bunyip or a swaggy. I'm going to go with bunyip. How do you go with a yowie? You are correct. It is a yowie. Yay. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that at one point. In the deepest, darkest, in the deepest, darkest part of Africa lies a lake. Isolated and untouched, the locals say it is the home of the Mokli Mbembe. Descriptions of the beast suggest it may be a survivor from the age of the dinosaurs. What is the name of the lake in which the Mokli Mbembe lives? Is it Lake Telly, Lake Albert, Lake Victoria, or Lake Kalanga? You said it's like old and untouched. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go with Lake Kalanga. Megan, can you repeat the questions? Yes. Not the question, the, the name. Yes. The... Is it Lake Telly, Lake Albert, Lake Victoria, or Lake Kalunga? Kalunga? Kalunga. I pronounced that wrong, didn't I? I don't think you think oh. it's fine. Telly. You are correct, Megan. It's Lake Telly. A number of expeditions have sought out Mokali Mbembe. To date, success has been thwarted by the lake's isolation, the hostility of the native people, and the shyness of part of the beast itself. So, what is the beast again? Can you tell me about it? It's called the Mokale Mbembe. It's M-O-K-E-L-M-B-E-M-B-E. We don't know what it looks like or anything? No, it's a beast, apparently. Oh, interesting. Dinosaur ask. And it says this person says for the story on once expedition, I recommend Drums Along the Congo by Rory Nugent. So number six. Off the coast of British Columbia dwells a dwells a creature named Cadvorosaurus Wilsi or Cad. It is described as a long flippered serpent. Like a nesty. The head of Teddy doesn't resemble a serpent, but another creature. A horse. What? A horse? You are correct. And it says, so the questions were a dog, a duck, a pig, or a horse. And it is a horse. My answer is correct. It says, remains of a caddy were recovered from the stomach of a sperm whale in 1937. I remember that picture. Number seven. Alaska's Lake Iliamna. I'm really good these words, guys. It's reportedly home for, for a species of giant fish, which grows to 30 feet in length. Though there have been numerous sightings, no hard evidence has been obtained. The most popular explanation for these creatures is they are a species of what? Seal, dolphin, sturgeon, or salmon? What? Can you name it again? Seal, dolphin, sturgeon, or salmon? What sturgeon? Isn't sturgeon like the fish, the pokey one, the stabby? The what's the what was the the creature called? It doesn't have a name. It says Alaska's Lake Iliama Iliamna sturgeon. Sturgeon. Is sturgeon different from 
fish or are they just a different? I think fish are the pokey ones. No, they're not perky. Pokey. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, I think you're right. They're kind. They're not what I thought, but they do look a little pokey. All right, I'm gonna go with sturgeons as well. You guys are correct. Yeah, look at that. Look at that sturgeon. Me. Do you see Megan? Oh, let me see. Oh yeah. Mothers, why have you not come to sleep yet? Megan, Megan, this dog wants us to be in bed so badly. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on one second. My. Oh my God! Stop it. <laughs> Mothers. Why have you forsaken me and been talking to my aunt for so long? So cute. Okay. And in 1979, the Anchorage Daily News offered a $100,000 reward for hard evidence of the giant fish's existence. Wow. wow. Okay. Native Africans tell of a water serpent that haunts the swamps of the Nile, larger by far than the largest python. It is said to take both cattle and men as prey. What's it called? Is it called Lulu, Lao, Grenon, or Pondapore? Pondapore. It is called Lao, L-A-U. Native reports suggest that it grows to length of 100 feet. Wow. Mm-hmm. The nomads of Mongolia tell of an unusual beastie that lives amongst the desolation of the Gobi Desert. The Olgoi Korkoi, that's O-L-G-O-I-K-H-O-R-K-O-I, is feared by the locals for its reputed ability to kill at a distance. Yeah. The Olgoi Korkoi, Korkoi, most resembles what kind of creature? Really? Is it a spider, a cat, a worm, or a frog? A spider. A frog. And it's a sandworm. Ah. Ew. An expedition to Mongolia suggests the creature is a specialized species of amphibian. It is described as a fat, deep red. It is described as fat. It is described as fat. (laughs) Fat sat. (laughs) A little worm. That little sandworm. It is described. It is described as sorry. breathe. An expedition to Mongolia suggests the creature is a specialized species of amphibian. It is described as fat, deep red in color, and two and a half feet in length. Oh my god, it's me! <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to make that joke since the beginning of the <laughs> Now you know. This person says, "Now you know the quiz wouldn't be complete without a Bigfoot question." So here's one. One of the theories on Bigfoot suggests it could be related to what extinct creature? Is it the T-Rex? The Yetikinosaurus? Diplodocus? Or Gigantophithecus? (laughs) Your list is not like that. It's not like that word. What was the second one? There's the Diplodocus? Diplodocus. Okay. Is it the Diplodocus, the T Rex, the Gigantophysis, or the Yeti Kinosaurus? Is the Yeti Kinosaurus even a real thing? I don't know. It's not my the word. first one. The first one. Uh, I'm going to say the Yeti. Guess what, guys? It's what I can't pronounce. <laughs> Antipithecus. 
Another theory suggests that Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings are connected, suggesting the big guy can fly spacecraft but do nothing about its repeatedly terrible body odor. Incidentally, the word Sasquatch like originates from the Salish of British Columbia and the means more or less it means more or less wild man of the woods. There you go, guys. Thank you, nice Dana. Quiz. You promised. Yes, did not pass, but don't worry. I think I'm going to have nightmares about the stupid root thing. The root? Is that what you said? No. What was it the called? Sand- the sandwich? No, the math. Oh, the square root. <laughs> the square root. I like I the kids, you're like, no, the math. The math. <laughs> the serious <laughs> thing you did to me. It was. Megan can't do math. But what, what we can do is Megan can do math and tell you what day we'll be back again, Megan, new episodes, the 13th of August. So all you lovely listeners out there, we will see you again on August 13th. But in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Scary Sisters Pod. You can email us questions, concerns, comments, or stories of your own at scarysisterspod at gmail.com. And be sure to rate and review us wherever you find your podcast. We appreciate it very much. And we will be back very soon with many, many new stories. Until then, stay safe and stay spooky. Megan, love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.